I'd like to start today's podcast by asking you a question. When you were young, what did you want to be when you grew up? Did you want to be a teacher, a doctor, perhaps a lawyer, or even the president? Let me tell you something. Did you know that who you are becoming is infinitely more important than what you do for a living? My son says it this way, it's who overdue. And God created you to be like Him. This is Carol McLeod, and you're listening to A Jolt of Joy on the Charisma Podcast Network. I hope that you'll join me every week for encouragement, wisdom, and hope that only come from the Bible. We're studying the book of Ephesians together, and wow, the book of Ephesians is able to transform all of our lives in powerful ways. This New Testament book, written by Paul and the Holy Spirit, is filled to overflowing with the wisdom of the ages. So let's dig in. You know, so many young people start out in life feeling like they don't belong, that they'll never be part of the crowd. They'll never be popular. They have no true friends. They might feel lonely, unaccepted, rejected by even their families. And so, when we begin our adult years like that, we look for belonging in all the wrong places. We think that living at a certain address, having a high level of education, making a lot of money, or a more prestigious group of friends is instantly going to make us feel like we belong. And if I have just painted the picture of your life, if you feel rejected or like you haven't belonged, and you will never belong. You will make choices that spring from that place of pain and loneliness. Paul and the Holy Spirit are talking to you today. You might feel as though your society or the world that you live in has made fun of you and called you names of the very worst kind. You might feel that you've been rejected by everyone of any importance in life. And I want to talk to you today. Get ready for new revelation. Prepare yourself for new acceptance and for a new identity. Let's dig into Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. Therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands, remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. When I read these two verses, Ephesians 2, 11 and 12, I think about part of my young adult years in which I observed something happening in human history. Right after World War II, the East, Germany, was separated from West Germany. It was called the Iron Curtain. It split Europe into East and West. This separation was physical, political, and spiritual. It cut the militarized border in two, into an ugly, jagged scar of humanity. This border, this Iron Curtain, this wall, separated families and friends, nations and languages. And in some instances, it stopped the spread of Christianity. In the mid-80s, when Ronald Reagan was president of America, he challenged the Soviet president. Do you remember these words? Ronald Reagan said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. 
And two years later, citizens from both sides, the East and the West, demolished the barrier with joy, with tears, and with days of celebration. Now, this moment of tearing down the Berlin Wall cannot begin to compare to the moment when Jesus Christ tore down another wall. It was the wall between me and him. It was the wall between Jews and Gentiles, the wall between men and women, the wall between slave and free. You know, we used to be separate. There used to be a wall. We didn't fit into the family. We had no hope. We were without God. We were separate from Jesus Christ. There is nothing worse than that. We couldn't have hope because we didn't know the promises of God. At every moment in human history, there are people groups who hate each other. Isn't that the truth? There were the Hatfields and the McCoys, blacks and whites, slave owners, and abolitionists. And now, unfortunately, there are Democrats and Republicans. There's the right and the left. There are conservatives and liberals. This happens because the enemy always wants division, but that's not what God wants. God wants reconciliation and unity. He wants our hearts to be at peace with one another. Ephesians 2 verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Oh, I love those two words, but now. Everything has changed in Christ because of Jesus. God intervened into the radical schism of humanity. What a joyful verse this is for all of us. We don't live far away any longer. We have been brought close to the heart of God by the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood that Jesus shed on Calvary ushered you and ushered me into a relationship with God the Father. Now we have a home, an eternal home. We have a place to belong. How did this happen? It happened because Jesus did it for us. He paid it all. We couldn't do it for ourselves. No one's human hands were able to tear down the wall. Only Jesus could do it. And in this new place that we live, in this place of unity and acceptance, we're celebrated. We are loved completely in Jesus Christ. We no longer have to prove ourselves with a certain number on the scale, with a certain wage that we earn every week, with education. All we have to do is come to Jesus. Ephesians 2, 14 through 17. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross— by it, having put to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. Well, in verse 14, 
It tells us that one of the blessings of salvation is the gift of peace, and that Jesus is peace himself. Jesus is peace personified. He can bring Jews and Gentiles together. He can bring blacks and whites together. He can bring Democrats and Republicans together. Only Jesus can do that. A law can't do it. An ordinance can't do it. A politician cannot do it. Only Jesus can do it. In verse 14, where it says, for he himself is our peace. It is the Greek word Irene, E-I-R-E-N-E. And this particular type of peace, there are other types of peace that are talked about in the New Testament, but this type of Irene peace is very specific. It means peace after a war. And my friend, your life was the site of the worst battle in all of recorded history. Your life was Gettysburg, Guadalcanal, and D-Day all rolled into one. Your life was a civil war, but Jesus entered your life and delivered a sweet, sweet peace to you. And so now, inside of you, the devil has no right to stir up old battles. So every time you feel friction, contention, or strife, declare out loud, Jesus is my peace. Jesus signed the peace treaty, and it rules and reigns inside of me. Now, the devil wants to steal your peace, but Jesus wants you to enjoy his peace. The devil wants you to look for peace in all the wrong places, in fortune-telling, in horoscopes, in, in materialism, in salaries, but it's not there. So when you are without peace, when your heart is in turmoil and your mind is out of control, recognize it for what it is. It is the enemy. And say, Satan, you will not have my peace. Jesus, help me to trust you. You know, the prophet Isaiah tells us that God will keep us in perfect peace when we trust in him. So if you're lacking peace, you have to raise your trust level because peace is a byproduct of trust. Ephesians 2.17, and he came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who were near. This is the same word for peace. It is Irene. So no matter what the circumstances of your life were or are, make no mistake about it. Jesus wants you to live in a place of sweet, sweet peace. Jesus wants you to be the beneficiary of peace that wins over confusion and over pain. Jesus has given you peace that trumps every single battle in your life. So, you know, when I'm going through a hard situation in life, I no longer say, oh God, I need to understand this. What are you doing if I could just understand? No, I have been given something much more valuable than human understanding. Philippians 4, 7 tells me that I've been given the peace that passes understanding, peace that trumps understanding, peace that is more victorious than understanding will ever be. Psalm 34, 14 says, seek peace and pursue it. How do you do that? Well, when you seek peace, you're seeking Jesus because he is our peace. So don't look for peace in all the wrong places. It ain't there. Peace is found in one place and one place alone. It's found in Jesus. 
And as I shared with you earlier, one of my favorite verses when it comes to embracing peace is Isaiah 26.3. I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me because he trusts in me. So think about Jesus. Stop thinking about politics and think about Jesus. Stop thinking about the weather and think about Jesus. Stop thinking about the news and think about Jesus. Fill your mind with Jesus. That's why we learn about Jesus, so we can think about him. I think things like this, Jesus chose me. I belong to him. He's given me grace. I'm seated with him in heavenly places. You know, I think the enemy actually loves politics because it's one place where he can stir up worry and fear and confusion and division. But we who know Jesus should be at peace no matter what the ruling party is in Congress and no matter who's living at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, we who know Jesus should be at peace. We should have our minds set on Jesus. If we would worry less and pray more, Politics wouldn't steal our peace. The economy wouldn't steal our peace. If we would ventilate less and trust more, these things would be minimized in our heart, in our soul. If we would love and encourage others more, if we would be less divisive on social media, social media would no longer have the power to steal our peace. Romans 12, 18 says this, if possible. So far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Having peace in your human relationships does depend on you. You have to do everything possible, having conversations, forgiving, serving, loving, blessing to have peace in your relationships. Hebrews twelve fourteen says this, pursue peace with all men. That includes everybody. It's up to you to pursue it. You know, one of my heroines of the faith is a woman by the name of Susanna Wesley. And she was the mom of a lot of kids. And whenever she needed peace, whenever she needed a moment with Jesus, she threw her apron over her head. So I want to tell you, some of you need to throw the apron of prayer over your head. Some of you need to throw the apron of the Word of God over your head, the apron of worship over your head to find a place of peace. Ephesians 2, verse 18. For through Him, we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. Now, this is one of the verses in the New Testament that actually talks about the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus made the way to the Father, and the Holy Spirit ushers the way in. It's only through Jesus that we can get to God. We don't get to God through finances, through good works, through horoscopes, through eating, or through spending. Because we are in the process of becoming like Jesus, we want to be like Him. And because Jesus brings peace, so should we. We are here today on planet Earth in the year 2022 to bring peace to human relationships, not to stir up trouble or strife. We are not here to gossip or to be negative. We are here to usher in the peace that only righteousness brings in. Ephesians 2, 
19. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. This verse tells you who you are in Christ. You are fellow citizens with the saints. You are in God's household. So don't go looking for identity in the things of the world. In weight, prestige, circumstances, youth, education, important friends, the country club. You are no longer strangers or aliens. You belong to Jesus. You have become a member of the family of God. You are not alone. So don't listen to the lies of the enemy. You are a citizen of the kingdom of God. So act like it. Talk like it. Love like it. Celebrate like it. Your chief citizenship is not that you're American, but that you are a child of the Most High God. Now, let me tell you, I love America. I love being an American. My heart beats red, white, and blue, but it's not being an American that defines me or brings me peace. It's knowing that I belong to the household of God. My chief citizenship is in the kingdom of God. This is what I know. No matter who lives in the White House, Jesus will still be Lord. Jesus will not surrender his authority to a president, the Supreme Court, or to Congress. You and I are safe in Christ. We are accepted in Christ. And we have peace because of Jesus Christ. I'd love to hear from you, so feel free to email me at carol at carolmccloudministries.com. We love to pray for everyone who connects with us, so be sure and send me your prayer request. Did you know that I have a new book coming out this spring? It's a 60-day devotional titled, At Home in Your Heart. And this sweet, powerful devotional will take you straight to the heart of the Father. Your heart was always meant to be his home. So it's time for you today to prepare a place for him in the treasure house of your heart. He is able to take your heart and turn it into a palace fit for a king. At Home in Your Heart is available on Amazon at christianbooks.com or on my website, which is carolmccloudministries.com. As always, I am praying that the joy of the Lord will fill your life and your heart today. I hope that you'll join me next time, right here on the Charisma Podcast Network, on A Jolt of Joy.